It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Thank you. 
is mine. He is mine.
Well, praise God for a good time. Praise God for his mercy, his grace, and his love. And for this wonderful day of celebration, this day of parents. Amen. Praise Jesus. Well, let me move the... Uh, all my equipment over here closer to the pulpit, and then we'll pray. Okay, let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise you and worship you and thank you for the joy that you have given us. Thank you for songs of worship, songs of praise, songs that glorify you and edify your people and uplift our hearts and help us to rejoice on this beautiful and wonderful holiday of the day of parent, a day of victory against the Iranians, victory against the Assyrians, victory against evil and darkness, victory against lies and deceptions, victory against the enemy of our souls, victory in Jesus' name. Praise your holy name, Father. Thank you for our brothers and our sisters that laugh with us, that sing with us, that worship with us, our brothers and our sisters that we love and that love us in return. Thank you for one another. Thank you for this body of Christ that you have made, that you have created, this body of Christ that you continue to create for your glory, your inheritance, your children, your inheritance, and your kingdom. We praise your holy name for what you're doing, Father. We ask you, Lord, to continue to help us throughout the service now. Help us, Lord, that your word will be spoken. We ask, Father, that you'll speak through me beyond my control, that you would use my lips, my vocal cords, my mouth to speak forth your spirit, your will, your truth, and your words, Father. We ask you, Lord, to let the flesh fade away and your spirit to prevail in my body, prevail in my mouth, prevail in my vocal cords this day in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts and our minds to receive your voice in us, to receive your voice in our hearts and in our minds this day and tomorrow and forevermore without end. We ask you, Lord, Father, to shield us and protect us, but also to help us to go through the battles, to help us to overcome the enemy, to help us to rise up as the army of the Lord and to defeat the enemy ourselves and not depend on you to do everything. But you do give us the strength. You do lead us into battle. You do give us the victory. But we must fight as well. We must, we must put on that whole armor of God and keep it on day and night. So we ask you, Father, to help us do our part in this war. Help us to do our part in this battle. But we know that it's not just fighting. 
not just preaching, not just teaching, not just keeping the law, the commandments, but also loving you and loving your people, loving the, the creation of humanity, your children, your inheritance, and not just seeking reward, but helping people. So we ask you, Father, to help us to take on that mindset of helping people, seeing the need. Where is the need? Where are the people in need spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, and financially? Where are the people in need that you want us to help and that we can help and that we'd be willing to help? We ask you, Father, to help us to not be selfish. We ask you, Father, to help us to remember the needy and to help them. For that is pure religion. That is true religion. We ask you, Father, to help us to be your ministry, your kingdom, your people, your government, your church, your body that went forth healing and helping, blessing and cursing, that what you did, we may do, that we may feed the hungry, bless the poor, and be an edification and a blessing to other people, not looking upon only our own needs, but upon the needs of your people and those that are seeking you. Help us, Lord, to reach out to those people more, be available to those people more. And help us, Father, to be a people of mercy, a people of forgiveness, not a people of bitterness, but a people of mercy and grace and forgiveness. But neither allow us to allow the enemy to trample us under. Let us not allow the enemy to defeat us. Let us not allow the enemy to creep within our camp. Let us not allow the enemy any victory against us. Let us be wise. Help us be wise. Help us, Father, to be wise forever. Give us discernment. Please give us strong discernment. Please give us wisdom. Please give us intelligence. Please give us common sense. Please convict us of our sins and help us to be responsible people. Help us to not be immature, but responsible adults. Help us to no longer be children but responsible adults. Help us, Father, to be the man, the woman, the creature, the creation that you would have us to be. Help us, Father, to fulfill our destiny. We ask you, Lord, that your will prevail on us. We ask you, Father, to pour more of your spirit into us. 
and fill us up. Let us not be lacking in your spirit. Let us not be lacking in hearing your voice. Let us not be lacking in understanding or wisdom or discernment or maturity, nor let us be lacking of respect and honor. But let us come to the full statue of a measure of Jesus Christ to a mature man or a mature woman. We want to be your people, Father. We don't want to be dogs. And we do not want to be lost. Please save us. Deliver us. Rescue us. And raise us up. And and we ask you, Lord, that your will be done in this service and in our lives forevermore, without end. Heavenly Father, we surrender to you and to your spirit and to your will. Thy will be done in me, in us, in this congregation, in this ministry, in this service, in the Alpha and Omega Bible, in everything that's done through A.J., Kiki, Lisa, Nicholas, Jonathan, Brittany, Michael, or anyone else that is part of this ministry in any way, shape, or fashion, that your will be done in them, Father. In Jesus' holy name, so be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Okay, now, before we start in the sermon, I need to do this more often. I want to ask if there's anyone here that has a testimony or a prophecy or a revelation, a dream or a vision they want to share or anything that they need to do for the Lord, sing a song, play an instrument, say something, anything that anybody wants to do or is being led by Jesus to do. Now is the time to do so. Okay, then we'll start in the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For the record, today's date in the Roman Catholic calendar, that's what it is, is March 31st, 2018. March 31st, 2018 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
in God's true calendar, it is the 14th day of the 13th month. 14th day of the 13th month, and that is why it is Param. It is Param today, it is Param tomorrow. Amen. Praise Jesus. And the title for the sermon is April 1st, 2018 is the Day of Lies. The Day of Lies. Tomorrow is the Day of Lies. April 1st, 2018 is the Day of Lies. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I give everybody across the internet time to turn in the pages of their Bible to 2 Thessalonians. And 2 Thessalonians comes right before Timothy in the way that you can help remember that Thessalonians occurs right before Timothy is is kind of like it's an ABC order. The TH comes before TI. So you can remember it that way, that Thessalonians is right before Timothy. TI, it comes after TH. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now, we request you, brethren, about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So when people talk to you about the gathering of the church, the gathering of the saints, that's what they call pre-trib rapture. They use that term. That that's when they're going to be gathered together into the Lord. And the coming of the Lord. They're talking about rapture, but that's not what Paul's talking about, right? Amen. But anytime anybody uses these words, point them to this verse about the coming of the Lord and about our gathering together to him. Verse 2, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or a message or a letter as if it were from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Has come. You know what this was written for? This was written for tomorrow. This was written for whatever day, whatever year, that the strong delusion occurs. Amen. That when they say the day has come, guess what? Verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you. Amen. Do not fall for the April fools. Do not fall for this trick. Do not fall for this deception. It says, when they say that the day has come, let no one in any way deceive you. Now, that's already underlined in the AOB, the Alpha and Omega Bible, but I would like for you to underline it again to where it will stand out, that word deceive. And as we go through this, I'd like for you to continue to underline Deceive and deception and lie. Deceive, deception, lie is all the same. Anytime that we see that word or delusion, same thing. Deception, delusion, lie, anything along that line. 
to continue to underline this because there is a theme of lies, a theme of lies, a theme of deception. And he says, don't let no one deceive you. And it continues, says, it's not until the hypocrisy of falling away comes first and that the man of lawlessness or sin is revealed, meaning manifested. The son of perdition, meaning son of destruction. Going all the way down to verse 4 now. Who opposes and also he exalts himself above everyone called God, meaning even above Allah, or object of worship, above anything, everything that is worshipped, so that he will sit in the temple of God, temple of Theos, exhibiting, showing himself as being Theos. Very clear that's talking about in heaven. No man can do that on this earth. No man can do that on this earth. Show yourself as God. You can sit in a chair and say you're God and just be laughed at. But he is showing himself in a way, will show himself in a way that is powerful. Amen. And verse 5, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? He's telling the Thessalonian citizens, the church people of that town, that he had already spoke with them about it. That does not guarantee that when he had spoke to them about it, that it was in letter. It doesn't say, when I wrote you. But rather it says, when I was with you. So it's in person. When he was there, when he had established that church or visited that church, that he had already told these people about this. That tells you that Paul thought it would happen in their lifetime. Amen? Why was he warning these people of this? Amen? It did not happen in their lifetime. Now, there was people, Roman emperors, that claimed to be God in their lifetime. Many of them, Augustus and Caesar and all of these and more, they did claim to be God even as the Egyptian kings before them and even at the same time frame and before them claimed it to be God's. That has been true throughout history. Many, many, many different leaders, kings and pharaohs and so forth, claiming to be God. Different empires and different generations. Really horrible. But not in the sense that they're sitting in the temple of God, right? Not in the sense of what he is really, really talking about here, that there is a false God 
that is exalted in himself above every other god, above all the other gods, and sitting in the temple of God, in the seat of God even. That's different. And he warned these people about it as if it would happen in their lifetime. And that's exactly the truth, amen, that that's what he was thinking. But Paul was a true man of God and a true apostle of God and even a prophet because he was declaring the future. But it was not fulfilled in his lifetime in this manner. But it is still yet to be fulfilled in our lifetime, amen. And it says here in verse 6, And you know what restrains him now. Who's him restraining him? The one he's talking about, the fake God. The one that would come and sit in the seat of God in the temple of God, exalting himself above all other gods, everything called God. Something is restraining him. And he says to these Thessalonians, you know what is restraining the son of perdition. You know what is restraining. And they did know. He had talked to them, taught them. And it's very clear that the one that restrains is angels. Look it up throughout the Bible. Angels restrain and release under the instructions of God. And that's very clear in Daniel and in Revelation. And it says, so that you know what restrains him now. Now, right now. You know what that means? The son of perdition that will be manifested in the sky, in heaven, in the temple of God in our lifetime was alive in Paul's lifetime. Amen? Ain't that what that means? Amen. He says that something it was, was restraining that son of perdition right then and there at his lifetime. That son of perdition was alive and being restrained at that time. Because Paul says now when he's writing it. That means that the son of perdition who the people erroneously call the Antichrist, because the Bible never calls him the Antichrist. If you do not believe this, read the Bible for yourself. And do not assume that you already know everything to know. Humble yourself. Examine the Bible. Study the Bible. And examine your doctrines and everything that people have taught you. Examine it. Where is the word Antichrist written in the Bible, and how does it relate to the son of perdition? The Bible never calls him the Antichrist. It calls him the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, the man of perdition, the son of destruction, the Assyrian, and other names that never calls him the Antichrist. Sometimes I use that word just because it's in our vocabulary, because if you say son of perdition, most People who claim to be Christians don't even know what the son of perdition is. 
Most of them have never even heard that phrase in their entire life. And if they have heard it, they don't remember it and don't understand what it means. Or they think it refers only to Judas Iscariot that betrayed Jesus and not to an end-time figure. Most people who claim to be saved are totally ignorant of Scripture, other than one or two or three verses, but totally ignorant of the majority of Holy Scripture. Amen? But Paul is very clear here that this son of perdition that people erroneously call the Antichrist was not only alive then in Paul's time, but was was being restrained, which means what? He would have touched the throne of God. He would have appeared in the sky at that time if he could have, if he wasn't being restrained. He would have went ahead. The son of perdition would would have waged that war of Revelation 12 at that day and in that time and would have took the throne of God and everything else and exalted himself above all gods and everything called gods at that day and at that time if God had allowed him to do so. Because the devil and his kingdom and his fallen angels and all those that follow him seeks destruction of humanity and destruction of the church and of the truth at every opportunity. Amen? At every opportunity and any day that they could grab onto it, they would seize it. But God himself and his angels have restrained that from happening. But, but, there is a day coming that he would no longer be restrained. Michael, the archangel, will be taken out of the way. God would tell Michael, the archangel, to step aside. Read Daniel 1. You'll see it. It's there. It's written. And it says here, that he will be revealed, meaning manifested, seen. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He was already deceiving people, these demons, the son of perdition, in Paul's day. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Read verse 7, only he who now restrains Michael would do so until he is taken out of the way. He is taken out of the way. One person, one angel. So why is most people who go to the Sunday churches being taught that what's taken out of the way is the entire church or the Holy Ghost when it does not fit the context, nor is there any scripture that proves that insanity of the Holy Ghost being removed from the earth, totally contrary to Scripture and to the Holy Ghost character, for the Holy Ghost to be removed from the earth. 
verse 8, then that wicked one will be revealed, meaning manifested, seen, when the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. Paul is quoting from Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 30, quoting these places in Old Testament scripture, this new covenant preacher, quoting the Old Testament, Paul would have been banned from the Baptist church. Paul would have been banned from the majority of these demonic, satanic churches that are surrounding us on every street corner. Amen? Paul would have been banned from these churches that worship him. Amen? They worship Paul more than they do Jesus. But he would have been banned from these churches because he read and quoted and taught the Old Testament constantly. So did Jesus. And Jesus is banned in these churches. Amen? He's quoting the Old Testament, and these scriptures are very, very clear that it's talking about the Assyrian, the Assyrian, not the Roman, not the German, not the American. Anybody that thinks Trump is the son of perdition should be locked up in a mental institution because that's how stupid and insane and silly that is. Silly, I tell you. Silly. The people today who think they are saved have no intelligence, no common sense, no discernment, no wisdom, nothing. That's just the truth. You may think I'm being harsh. Whatever you think it, I don't care. The truth is the truth is the truth. Amen? And the thing, same thing about anybody that thinks it's Obama is the son of perdition. It's just as silly, just as stupid, just as unwise and ridiculous. Amen? Ridiculous. It does not match scripture. It does not match common sense. It does not match discernment. It does not match anything of God. It's just a ploy of the devil to make people stupid in our day and our time. I don't care if you think I'm being harsh or not. The truth must be spoke. It must be spoke. Amen. It must be spoken. So now it says this. As he's quoting about the Assyrian, that the wicked one who will be revealed the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. So Jesus is going to kill, totally destroy the son of perdition, the president of Syria, by the breath of his mouth. Amen. Verse 9, that is the one who's coming is in cooperation with the work of Satan, meaning it's not Satan but in cooperation with the strong work of Satan. Amen? And with all power and signs, and there's the word you can underline, deceiving. Amen. Deceiving wonders. 
This is much more than a man on the temple now. This is strong. This is with all power. It is with wonders. It is demonic. It is blasphemy. Amen. It's not just some creep standing on Temple Mount. This is something people will see in the sky. All the way down to verse 10. And with all the deception, underlying deception, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved, majority of the people. And that right? Amen. Majority of the people. They did not receive the love of the truth. It's sad, but it's reality. And it's reality that we must embrace and talk about, tell people about. Verse 11, for this reason, Theos will send upon them a strong deception. Underline again, deception, so that it will stand out more. And not just any deception, but a very strong one. A strong deception. Again, much more than a man standing on the temple mount. Amen. So that they will believe a lie, underline lie. Amen. Verse 12, in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth, underline did not believe the truth. But they took pleasure in wickedness. You know what all this means? It means these people who have been taught their entire lives that Jesus rose at the same time as the sun rose. And that when you go out in the cemetery, in the graveyard, in the middle of the night, in the darkness of the night, and stand upon people's graves or beside people's graves, and you wait for the sun to come up in the morning, and then you raise your hands and start worshiping, and they've been taught that that's worshiping Jesus. And that's foolishness. How can you say you're worshiping Jesus when you're raising your hands to the sun in the middle of a graveyard? How satanic that is. And they have never questioned that? How can you not question that? Huh? How can you not question that? When some man says, when the sun comes up, face it with your arms stretched out to it and worship it, and you don't question his instruction, that's insanity. insanity. Amen. That's no better than the Greeks and the Romans and the Babylonians and the Assyrians worshiping a stone statue, thinking that it can eat and talk. No better and no less insane, and no less wicked. And even if an Easter believer had never gone to an Easter sunrise service, but just told 
that that was the date of the resurrection, but yet never read in the Bible that Jesus himself said that he would be in the tomb, in the grave, in the earth, three days and three nights. And people can't count three days and three nights. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But he wasn't in the grave Sunday, so how can you count Sunday? You cannot count Sunday when he was not in the grave Sunday. So you only got part of Friday and then Saturday. How is that that three days and three nights? Have they never read the Bible? If they have read it, it's very clear they don't believe it. Amen? One or the other, they either have not read it or they don't believe it. So which is? So ask them. Ask them straight to their face. Which is it? Have you never read this or do you not believe it? Tell me now. Amen? And don't let them escape until they give you the answer. One way or another, they have to confess that they don't believe it or they've not read it. Which is it? Amen? If they're not willing to answer that question and profess, then tell them to get out of your house and slam the door in their face as hard as you can because exactly what they need to see and to experience from you if they're unwilling to confess their sins. Amen? People think I'm being very harsh. And the truth is, I am being harsh to sin. I am being harsh to wickedness. I am being harsh against darkness and demonic forces. And it's time that we fight back against demonic forces with force. Amen? Stop giving people lollipops and give them the truth, and fight back against the enemy. They're either on God's side or they're on the side of the devil one way or another. And if they're not on God's side, if they're not on the side of the truth, they are on the side of the devil. Ain't that right? There's no middle ground with this. Go back to verse 3. In no way... And let no one in any way deceive you. But then we have underlined repeatedly deception and lie and did not believe the truth and deceiving. So there's going to be a great delusion, a great deception, a great one, a strong one, powerful one. Don't let People deceive you. When? That son of perdition says that he is Christ. When he says he is Christ, when he says he is God, do not believe him. Amen? There's something that I need to point out to you now is how this is totally, totally in connection with Matthew 24. I want you to understand now as we turn to Matthew 24 
how strong this is connected with it. Matthew 24. When we read 2 Thessalonians 2, we should think of Matthew 24. And when we read Matthew 24, we should think of 2 Thessalonians 2. Because they are parallel chapters talking about the exact same thing. Exactly. Matthew 24, verse 1. At any time anybody says, well, let's turn to Matthew 24, you should say yes. And then afterwards, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 and compare it because it's the exact same thing. Matthew 24, verse 1, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him as if they were something majestic. He said to them, he said to them, you do not see all these things, amen. I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So they had an attitude, it was great, something to be seen, something to talk about, something to admire. But Jesus' response was basically, in different words, so what? These are just stones, and they're going to be all torn down. They're going to be all torn down. Amen. And not one stone, not one, not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Amen. And as you read Matthew 24, Think about this, because never did he say that it would be rebuilt. Never, ever. Any words in Scripture, no words in Scripture did he or Paul or anyone ever say that the temple, once it got tore down, that it would ever be rebuilt. No words. So why is that taught in every church, including Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witness, Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, anything you can name that calls themselves Christian, anything that is a denomination of counterfeit, fake Christianity, all of them, every person on Facebook, every ministry, all of them, they say the temple, every one of them, even the people that keep the holy days and the seventh day, even the, even the people that don't keep Christmas and Easter and Halloween, Everybody says that the temple is going to be rebuilt. Show me the verse. Show me the verse. Amen. And they try to show you Daniel 9, something about so many days, so many years, 70 times 7, and all this that takes some kind of interpretation that is harder to interpret then learning a foreign language. How is that proof? How is that proof to show me a verse that is as hard to interpret as learning a foreign language? There's so many interpretations of that verse that it's ridiculous. 
I think that verse in Daniel 9 has been totally fulfilled and has nothing to do with our time. That's what I think. But we have tons of scriptures, tons of scripture that is black and white, plain as day, easy, 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 easy to understand about the timeline, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. Why do you have to point to a verse that is confusing and complexing and needs interpretation? To try to prove something and ignore all the understandable verses. Ignore it. Totally ignore all the other verses. Why do they do that? Because they want to believe a lie. Amen? Verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? They did not ask about only 70 A.D., amen? In one sense, they might have been wanting to know about the destruction of the temple. It does seem like that. But their question didn't end with, when will these things happen about the destruction of the temple? They continued to ask a second question about the sign of your coming, right? In the end of the world, right? Some people say the end of the world there could be translated end of the age, which is true. It could be translated end of the age. And then you could say 70 AD was the end of age. True. But what about the words, you're coming? They couldn't be talking about his birth. He was already standing right in front of them, right? So what coming was they asking about? The second coming. Right? When he would come back to the earth. There's no other coming, right? So what was the question? Was it about 70 A.D., about the end of that age, or about the coming, the end of the world? Very clear, right? Very clear that the question was truly about the second coming, about the end of the world. So a better more accurate translation is the end of the world because that is what the context shows, especially when you continue to read the whole chapter, right? Because he didn't come back in 70 AD. So if we say it's the end of the age of 70 AD, and if we say Matthew 24 is all about 70 AD, then Jesus would have came back in 70 AD, but he didn't. Amen? Therefore, it's very easy to understand that Matthew 24 is about our day and our time, primarily. Yes, it was somewhat, somewhat about 70 AD, the destruction of the temple, their tribulation that they would face, the persecution and the martyrdom that they would face. Yes, but all of that was to be only a foreshadow. But Matthew 24 was more for our time, more for our time. Our time would be the primary fulfillment. 70 AD would be the foreshadowing of our time, and our time would be the primary context and primary 
time of Jesus talking about. Amen? We'll continue to read, and in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one deceive you. Underline deceive. Then right beside of it, 2 Thessalonians 2. Because remember in 2 Thessalonians 2, we underline that word over and over and over. Then as we read Matthew 24, let's continue to do that. Let's continue to underline every time it says deceive or deception or lie or anything like that. And in verse 5, that many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. So there would be more than one son of perdition figure, right? There are many people that have come and gone throughout the generations, right? Pharaohs, kings, emperors have all said that they're God. There's been many of those and cult leaders even to this day. A few years ago, I saw on the news and on the Internet different people one down in, I think, Mexico, and one somewhere like Puerto Rico or Honduras or somewhere down into there that had hundreds of followers, and he was saying that he was the Christ, he was God, that he was Jesus, all of this, and had actually a large following. Stuff like that is happening. There's already people on this earth, more than one on this earth, saying he is Jesus right now. We already have that. Jesus is saying there will be many people saying this. And that's been true even in 70 AD. Even then, that has been true. So let's keep reading. Verse 6. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for these things must take place. But it's not yet the end. All this has already happened and continues to happen, but it's still not the end, right? Verse 7, for race and nation arise against race and nation. And kingdom and realm will rise against kingdom and realm. And against places, there would be famines and earthquakes and hurricanes. But all these things are the beginning of birth pains, the beginning. So there would be always some birth pains. But since we know that the primary fulfillment is our time, and if a woman carries a baby for nine months, as it gets closer and closer and closer to the actual birth, she's going to have more pain, and the pain will come closer and closer to one another, quicker and more intense, until finally the waters burst, and then there is the birth. So time has gotten worse, and people have gotten worse, and wars have gotten worse, and now we have even nuclear weapons. So things have gotten worse. All these things that it's talking about has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And even so much more so after February, amen, February 17th and 18th, that weekend that we was watching, it did get worse. And then even into all of this month of March, 
everything has been intensifying. We was extremely close to World War War on March 1st and 2nd. We were at the threshold. We truly were at the threshold of World War III on March 1st and 2nd. But God restrained. Amen? God restrained. But he won't restrain forever. Amen? He will not hold back judgment forever. Amen. Verse 9, then, sooner or later, they will deliver you to tribulation and will murder you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Paul was arrested for preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. This happened in the time of the Roman Empire and it's happening now. But it will increase even after the birth, especially after the strong delusion. People will be arrested for preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. It will happen. It's going to happen. It's written in the scripture. Yes, it's talking about 70 AD, but the primary fulfillment will be our time. It's going to happen to people in our lifetime, just like it happened to Paul. Amen. Will Assad claim to be Jesus or will he claim to be Yahshua? I think at the very first, he would use all these different names, including Jesus at first, just to get the following, the following of the people, the followers, the Catholics, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, just to win them over, I think that he will use Jesus' name and Yahshua and Yahweh and Allah, everything at first, even Allah at first. But then eventually, eventually, I think he will outlaw Jesus' name. I believe that that is definitely what he would do eventually, to outlaw Jesus' name. Unfortunately. So then it says in verse 10, at that time many will fall away. Ain't that 2 Thessalonians 2? I've fallen away, the apocalypse. So I want you to put a 2 Thessalonians 2 right above it and write the word apocalypse as best as you can spell it. I know I will misspell it. That don't matter. Amen. I've fallen away. Amen. They've fallen away. Why? Because people are not deeply rooted in Christ. Amen? People have a superficial superficial belief in God. They claim to be saved. They may even go to church, and they, they might even be dedicated to going to church every time the church doors are open, maybe even that. But when it comes time, when there's no food on the shelf, when there are no stores, doctors, hospitals, or anything that you can go to without submitting to Islam and the son of perdition, what will they do? They will throw that faith away. They will, just like Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. That's what people are going to do. 
a lot of people. Their faith is not deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. It's rooted in Babylon. That's what it's rooted in, in Babylon. But not in Jesus Christ. And people will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Parents against children, children against parents, all this is in Scripture. Family and friends, best friends, best buddies, best girlfriends, best boyfriends, whatever, all of it. People are going to betray one another for a bowl of soup or perhaps to save their parents. Turn in one another, tell on one another in order to save their own life, their children's lives, their parents' lives, their wives, their husband, their children, whoever, to save somebody's life, they would tell on another family member. Get one family member killed in order to save the other. That's what people's going to do. Or to save their own life. And it's really ridiculous. Because you either... are going to stand for the truth or you're not going to stand for the truth. Amen? If you stand for the truth, you're not going to tell on people just because they are not following the son of perdition. Why would you tell on somebody for not following the son of perdition? You ought to protect that person and not tell on them. And if it means starving yourself to death, then so be it. Amen? If it means you have no food and you have to starve to death and die in starvation, then so be it. Amen. That is better than selling your soul. That is better than selling your soul to the devil. And this is exactly what it is. To bow to Allah, to submit to Islam, to submit to the Pope's, to submit to Easter, to submit to Christmas, to submit to Halloween, to submit to the halal mark, to submit to Assad, any of that, all of that is selling your soul to the devil. Amen. In verse 11, many false prophets. Think of the two false prophets. Think about both popes will arise and deceive many, but not just those two popes, but many false prophets throughout the world. There's a lot of people claiming to be the two witnesses, a lot of people claiming to be the two witnesses. They're all over the Internet. I've seen a ton of them. And none of them can be true, none of them, because the Bible is clear that their ministry will last three and a half years and their ministry will not begin until the day of the invasion of Israel. That is real clear, very clear in the Bible. So, no. The two witnesses cannot be found. Don't even look for them. They cannot be found until the day of the invasion. That's clear in the Bible. Amen. Verse 12, because transgression or breaking of the law will increase less and less people keeping the commandments. 
less and less people keeping the commandment that thou shalt not murder. Amen? Less and less people keeping the seventh day and so forth. Transgression of the law will increase and most people's love will grow cold. But the one who abides in Jesus is talking about, the one who abides to the end, means not those that provide. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about those that abide in Jesus. That's why I put it in footnote. Because that's what it's talking about to help people understand it. Those that abide, dwell, stay in Jesus to the end. And to the very end, who do not fall away is what it means. Those that do not fall away from Jesus. And to the end, now that person will be saved. Will be, future tense. Yes, we are saved when we were baptized. Even before we are baptized, we, we can receive a seed of his spirit. Yes, we can. But we still must be baptized. Must be and at the baptism, we get more of his Holy Ghost. And if we do not receive any of his Holy Ghost, we will upon baptism if we have truly repented. Of course, we continue to repent even after that. And continue and continue and continue to repent. Amen. Not a one-day deal. It really ain't. Not a one-day deal. It's a lifetime journey. And you, you hang on to the truth and continue to grow and continue to mature and continue to become more and more responsible in Christ Jesus and growing in the truth, growing in knowledge, yes, but also in understanding, yes, but also in love with God, yes, and love for his people and love for people in general. Amen? We need to grow in love with people in general. We need to cry for people outside of our family. Yes, we love our family, but what about everybody else? We need to think about people that we meet in the store, that we meet out in town. We need to think about their salvation, their soul. Ain't much we can do about it, but we can at least think about these people, feel sorry for them, cry for them about how sad it is that they're lost, blind, and miserable. They are so miserable. It don't matter rather than how much they smile. It don't matter how much they laugh. I've known a lot of lost people that laugh and smile. But they go back home in secret in their bed at night and just have a total void, amen, void of joy and happiness without Jesus. they got something missing, and they need to look for it. If they look for it, they can find it, what they're missing. But if they never look for it, they would die with that void, amen. And a husband or wife cannot feel that void. It can make them happier, healthier, better people. But the void of God in their life cannot be filled by anybody or anything. Amen. It cannot be filled with sex or drugs or girlfriends or boyfriends. If a person does not have the Holy Ghost, there is nothing that can fill that void. The only God himself. Amen.
then it says here in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. It will be. When it says this gospel, it's talking about the truth. Amen. Not talking about the Joel Osteen gospel or the prosperity gospel or Islam or the lies or Babylon or Billy Graham. No. This gospel of the kingdom is talking about the truth. The truth, my friend, my brothers, my sisters, is going to be preached in all of the world. In every nation, it's going to be preached. Be encouraged, amen. The truth is going to be preached in all the world. I've been doing that myself to a certain extent, but not to the full extent that the two witnesses are going to do. The two witnesses will preach it to the world. Be encouraged. Amen. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for witness to all nations, even North Korea, even to Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, even to those nations. The truth will be preached. God is God. It's going to happen to all nations. And then shall the end come. And when it says the end, it means Jesus comes. It doesn't mean just the great tribulation because it takes the witnesses during the tribulation to fulfill that scripture more than I can ever fulfill it. Then Jesus will come. Amen. That's why it's talking about the end, not the great tribulation come. Amen. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken through Daniel the prophet, Daniel 12, verse 11, standing, the son of perdition, standing in the holy place, the holy place. The holy place is not the temple now, nor any temple built by Jews. That would not be a holy place. It wouldn't be. They don't serve God. The Jews, who are of my bloodline, they do not serve God. Any temple that they would ever build would not be holy. It would be blasphemous and evil. Amen. It would not be holy. Holy place is in heaven. Amen. Let the reader understand. Matthew didn't read this. Matthew was standing right in front of him when he said it. Mark, John, they were right in front of him when he said it. The disciples, the multitudes of people, they didn't read this. We're reading this. That proves it is talking about our time, not 70 A.D. Amen. Verse 16. Then those who are in Judea must flee in the mountains. Yes, it says in Judea, but if you have any common sense to you, 
if you know the truth and you see it coming, why wouldn't you flee? Amen. So it does not have to be written in Scripture that if you live in America, that you must flee to the mountains. It don't have to be written because God wants you to have common sense. Amen. When you see the strong delusion, if you got any common sense, and if you are a true follower of Jesus, don't you know the devil's going to come after you? Don't you know it? And I'm not talking about only spiritual warfare of spiritual attacks of foot pain or uh, uh, electric getting cut off or something like that or uh, Facebook blocking you or YouTube blocking you. I mean soldiers knocking on your door. That's what I mean. The spiritual warfare of the devil coming against you is going to be real and it's going to be in your face and at your throat. Amen. Jesus said they will murder you. This is going to be real stuff. Amen. If you are a true follower of Christ, it don't matter whether you're in Judea, America, Korea, Australia, Nigeria, you better bet if you're a true follower of Christ, you can be expecting not a polite knock on your door, but a ramming of your door, of knocking your door down. Amen. But if the good man of the house knew what hour the thief would come, he would be alert, he would be awake, and he would not allow the thief to come into his household and break it up. Amen. You wouldn't be there, would you? Get out of Dodge, my friend. But you have to be wise and you have to be more wise than they are. Amen? God has given us a full 30 days to flee. I say no more because I am speaking in public recording. Amen? Be wise. Every email, every phone call, every text message, every recording, be wise. Be wise what you speak to your own family, your own friends, your own co-workers, in the public. Be wise what you speak to your best friend. We are in a very real war. This is not a game. This is very real, and it's a real war. It's about time that we start realizing, as I've said many times, and I will continue to say it over and over and over, that this war is real, and you are real soldiers. 
You need to start thinking as a real soldier that is already inside the battlefield. But some soldiers are not out there with guns, and we're not out there with guns, and we don't want to be, and we're not going to be. Some soldiers are in the battlefield in people's homes or over the Internet or on a computer. or another type of location. Different people in the military have different responsibilities and different skills and techniques in this war. But whatever position you take in this war, be wise, be clever, and be careful. And use strong discernment and lots of wisdom. Amen. And ask again and again and again for more discernment and more wisdom. Amen. Now it says in verse 17, whoever's on the housetop must not come down, get the things that are in it, in his house, meaning those people that are locally there is going to be in more danger and must flee more quickly if you're in the usual. Verse 18, whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his jacket. Verse 19, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your fleeing, your flight, will not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. For then of the time of the great tribulation, there will be a time of great trouble. Such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. That right there proves it's not talking about 70 AD. Amen. Because World War III will be worse than 70 A.D. So that proves it's not talking about 70 A.D. Amen? How much more clear can you get? The truth is easy to understand. And it says, verse 22, Unless those days will be shortened or ended, no life will be preserved. No life. Frogs, turtles, deer, elephants, no life will be preserved, but for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's true people, those days will come to an end. That means God's coming back. That's all, that's all that means. He's coming back before mankind can annihilate and destroy the entire world. Verse 23 then if anyone says to you during these times, behold, here is the Christ. That's talking about the son of perdition. Yes, there was Mexicans and people here and there in China even had a false Christ and other people, had, other nations had false Christs for years and decades and centuries. But now we're talking about after the strong delusion. Now we're talking about after the abomination of desolation. Now we're in our time. Amen. Then when they say to you concerning Assad, here is the Christ, so there, do not believe. Amen. For false crises and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. So as, there's that word, so as to deceive. 
so as to deceive, if possible, even us, even the elect. It's going to be strong. It's going to be a powerful delusion. Verse 25, behold, I've told you in advance. Hey, Paul said that too. Wow. Paul said that in 2 Thessalonians 2. I've told you these things while I was with you. Didn't Paul say that? Wow. This is 2 Thessalonians 2 written all over again. I think Paul copied this. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 26. I think Mark said it too. Yeah. So if they say to you, Behold, that he is in the wilderness, do not go there. Behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. In other words, wherever they say, Assad is in the masses, or uh, or they say that Christ is in the masses. If they say, uh, Christ is at Rome, or Christ is in Knoxville, Tennessee, do not believe it. You know why? Because the second... The second coming has not occurred. And doesn't this prove pre-trib wrong? This proves pre-trib is wrong. Because what Jesus himself is saying, this ain't Paul, this is Christ speaking. Jesus is saying, don't believe that about the coming of the Lord and our gathering unto him, that that day has come or will come. Amen? Until you see all this happen first. You have to see the abomination of desolation happen first. And the martyrdom of the saints of the fifth cell. You have to see that happen before Jesus can come back. The question was, when are you coming back? He didn't say I'm going to come back in any secret rapture. Never said it. Never said it. But this is Jesus given a whole detailed, detailed, tons of details, exactly what's going to happen, even in what order it would happen. Even like the seals, the seven seals and the seven trumpets, given detail after detail after detail, the exact order of events. This is so easy. Even... A person in the first grade could understand this. I've met little men five years old with more intelligence than some of these people that are 40 and 50 years old that's going to church every Sunday. Amen? I've met some kids that were five and six and nine and 10 and 11 years old that had more intelligence and more sense than these 90-year-old women that think they know the truth but don't have been deceived their whole life. They're 90-some years old, 100 years old, and they've been deceived every day of their life and never, ever questioned it. How sad that is. Don't believe a lie. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be deceived. Amen? 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 24, saying the same thing. When the son of perdition comes, don't believe that he is God. Amen? And it says here in verse 27, verse 27, 
For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the sun and the becoming mankind be. I'm not going to read the footnote totally, but I will explain it one more time for any new listeners that might be listening or will listen. That the lightning does not always come from one direction. It can come from any direction of the sky and go to any direction of the sky. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is that when you see a storm come, it moves, and you can see it moving, and you can see the storm getting closer and closer from one end of the sky to the other end of the sky. And typically, in our region, in Tennessee, it's typically coming from the west, traveling to the east, but sometimes it can be even from the east or from the north or from the south. Amen? But typically, a storm does travel from a certain direction. The storm does, but lightning can go in any direction. But you can see the storm before it comes, and you can watch it get closer. And you can even time it and say, well, I think I've probably got a few more minutes left before I have to get indoors. We've got a few more minutes, or sometimes you've got to say, oh, we've got to get in right now because it's about to pour down. So the same is true with the coming, the true coming of Jesus that you should be able to tell the signs of the time. Amen? You should be able to tell time. That when you see the abomination of desolation, you should know you got exactly 1,335 days. According to Daniel 12, that's the exact amount of time beginning at the abomination of desolation until the coming of the Lord the end of the world, of the, our world, of this generation. 1,335 days. I think there's some kids that can count. 1,335 days. But I don't think a 100-year-old person in Babylon can count it. I don't think a 50-year-old in Babylon can count it. Because they're robots. They are robots with no intelligence. Sorry, but that's the truth. And if you're one of these robots, and you're just now coming to the truth, my intent is not to condemn you or hurt you or hurt your feelings or insult you, but my intent is this, that the truth is simple and easy if you would just accept it. That's my point. And that Babylon has lied to you and deceived you, and you have to confess it. You have to come to that wake-up call, to that realization that you've been lied to and deceived and fooled. And it was your own fault, as well as the false preachers that taught you the lies but it's still your own fault because you did not question it. And you swallowed, you swallowed the pill without thinking about it. You swallowed and ate and consumed everything that they fed you without thinking and questioning the Kool-Aid that they was giving you. Amen? 
So you have to come to a confession of your fault in this and your lack of wisdom and your lack of discernment and your lack of the Holy Ghost. You have to come to the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement, the confession that you were not saved. Because if you were, the Holy Ghost would have said, do not eat. The Holy Ghost would have said, do not drink that. The Holy Ghost would have said, do not take communion with devils. Amen. And then repent and turn around and change. And that is why I use strong language is to be an alarm clock. And none of us enjoy the alarm clock very much. I don't think too many of us, when the alarm clock goes off, that we're like dancing to the tune of the alarm clock. But rather we're like, shut up! Hey. Bang! <laughs> Move that clock across the room. Yep. Take a hammer against it. Okay. I think alarm clock should be illegal. That's my honest opinion. <laughs> Amen. It should not be allowed to sell them in the stores. But, Let's get back to the scriptures here. Verse 28, wherever the dead bodies are from this war, from the judgment, there will the raptors be, or they will gather. There will the raptors gather. So the people would die in this war. Amen. And these raptors eating these dead bodies, this is not talking about the martyred saints. But it's talking about dead people that were deceived, who never repented, or they fell away from the truth, whatever. It's talking about people that did take the mark of Islam. Amen, it is. It's talking about people that took the mark of the Catholic Church. It's talking about the people that took the mark of the Baptist Church. Amen? And did not repent. Did not confess that they were lost and deceived. And continued to the end to say that they were right. Amen? That's what it's talking about. Talking about people that all the way to the day they died, that they thought they were right. And continued to fight the truth and believe a lie. Am I speaking the truth right now? Amen. Praise Jesus. These are people that are waiting for the raptures. Amen. If they're waiting for the rapture, they're waiting for a lie. They will be consumed by their own lie. Their own lie, which they love and look forward to and talk about and teach in their churches of man, that very lie will be the death of them. That very lie will consume them. The rapture birds will consume the wicked, those that love a lie of a fairy tale. Amen. Verse 29. But soon, during the tribulation of those days, the sun would be darkened, and the moon would not shine bright or not brightly. Same thing. And the stars would fall from the sky. That's not talking about the stars you see up in the sky. 
those things are not going to fall. You're talking about a meteor shire, a huge meteor shire, a big meteor shire. Asteroids and comets and uh, spacecraft falling down. You know, there's a big Chinese satellite that's supposed to crash into the Earth tomorrow out of all days. Amen. And it's called Heavenly Plate. Yeah. And uh, it's the English translation of the name of the satellite. So tomorrow, Heavenly Plate yeah. is supposed to crash to the Earth. I think today it enters the atmosphere and then it starts falling. Like two days, right? Well, they're just saying it could happen today or tomorrow. It's not going to happen over two days. Uh, be one, one whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming closer and closer, yeah. But there's going to be that one day, either tonight, today, tomorrow, but most likely tomorrow. Mm-hmm. could be even the day after, but it looking, it's looking more and more it could be tomorrow. And the English translation of the Chinese name is something like heavenly place. Huh. Maybe like a, this could be like a fake version of the fall stars falling from the sky. Yeah. So it, it could be a fake Armageddon. A fake, Michael just said, it could be a fake of stars falling from the sky because it will look like stars falling from the sky. It will look as a meteor shire. So yes, it could be part of a fake coming of the Lord and it could definitely be a confirmation of the timing, of the date. Amen? Now this date of tomorrow might come and go about the strong delusion. It might. It might. I might be standing here next week with egg on my face or mud on my face, however you want to say it. But if it does not occur tomorrow, praise God. Praise Jesus for more time to get ready. Thank God for another fire drill. The truth is we could use another fire drill and another and another and another. But you know what? I don't need people emailing me and calling me and texting me, calling me a false prophet, because the truth is, if it does not happen tomorrow, I will be calling myself a false prophet to myself while I'm on my knees crying. And I will cry. And I will call myself a false prophet. And I will be beating myself up and tearing myself to pieces in my mind and in my heart to God, absolutely. You can count on that because I do take these things serious. So I don't need people to tell me that I got to repent. I already know that. I'm not stupid. Amen? But I will still get up off my knees, glorify the Lord, and accept that he gave us another fire drill. Amen. And be happy and be content and rejoicing and praising that we have more time and that he gave us another fire drill and more more and more symbolisms and more and more proof. 
so that more and more people can continue to hear the truth and get ready and prepared and more and more people wake up through all of this. Amen. I would love to say that I would never again set another date. I would love to say that, but I can't. You know why? Because Ezekiel 33 commands me that when I see a sword coming, that I must warn the people. How can I not warn the people? If I believe that what I am seeing is war and destruction and death, how can I not warn the people? I don't care if they continue to call me a false prophet a million times. I have to warn the people when I see something going to happen, whether it's true or not. If I think I see it, I'm commanded to speak it. Is that true or is it not true? true? If you think that you see it and do not proclaim it, I'm a card. I'm a card and should not be a pastor or a leader if I'm too scared to proclaim a date that I believe in all of my heart and all of my mind that it's true and do not speak it, then I'm a card and should not be a pastor. I should be fired and stoned to tell you the truth. And that's exactly my honest opinion. If I'm not a man enough to proclaim what I believe is true. And I have examined myself on these dates, the first time and this time. I have examined and examined and examined. I have questioned myself. I have prayed about it. I have asked God to correct me if I am wrong, and he's not corrected. Instead, we continue to get more and more confirmations. Therefore, I do believe it's going to happen tomorrow, and if I did not believe it, I would not proclaim it, right? Amen. My heart, my intent is not to deceive anyone. No, that is not my heart or intent. That's not my spirit. That's not my soul. God is my witness. I believe it's going to happen tomorrow. And if I did not believe it with all of my mind, with all of my heart, I would not proclaim it. Amen? Now, I put it in the hands of the Lord. And he is in control of the sun and the moon and the stars. He is control of the earth, the angels and the spirits. He is control of the devil and Assad. God is in complete control. Amen? God is in complete control. I put my trust in the Lord. Let the dice roll and let it lay however it lays. Amen. But I will continue to serve the Lord. 
and people will continue to fall away. People will continue to be tested and tested again and tested again, which is exactly what we need. We need to know who is men, who the men are and who the women are. We need to know who the dogs are. We need to know who the spies are. We need to know who is dedicated and who's playing a game. Amen? We need to know who our true brothers and sisters are and who is not. Either you're with us or against us, one way or another. Amen? Do you stand with Jesus or do you not stand with Jesus? Are you part of this ministry or are you not part of this ministry? Stop trying to sit on the fence. Choose a side and stay on that side. If you're going to fall away, I don't want you in the first place. Amen? Amen. If you're in this, you're in it for the long haul. Amen? So it's very clear. Matthew 24 is a warning. Don't be deceived by an anti-God. A false god coming in the sky, in the temple, in the abomination, in the holy place. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 8. John 8, verse John 8, starting in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you're truly disciples. If you continue, do not fall away. If you continue in my word, you are true disciples, truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, free from lies, free from deception, free from Babylon. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you would say that you will become free or that we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The people that do Easter, they are slaves of the devil. They have the branding of 666 because slaves have a branding. 
They are branded by their owners. And they are slaves of sin. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with the Father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, you are Abraham's children. Or if you, if you are Abraham's children, do the works of Abraham. Be like your father, Abraham. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from Theos. This Abraham did not do. He did not try to kill me. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, Theos. Jesus said to them, if Theos were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from Theos. For I have not even come on my own initiative that he sent. Meaning, that there was a part of God that told the other part of God, part of himself. Hey, I speak to myself all the time. Amen. And your brain speaks to your heart, even though you don't hear that communication. But even doctors would tell you. It's even written in medical textbooks that your brain is speaking to your body. And that you speak to your hands and your feet every time you move them, whether you know it or not, or catch yourself speaking, you're doing it. A part of God spoke to himself, to his own being, and said, move into Mary. Did he not? Did he not speak into his own part of his own being and commanded a part of himself to move into the body of Mary? To conceive her. Absolutely. Amen. This does not prove that they are two different beings. Because if it's two different beings, then we do not have one God. It's that simple. We either have one or two or three or a million. And if we have more than one, you might as well have a million. Amen. God himself said in the book of Isaiah that he was alone and that he did not share his glory with anyone. Amen? That's why he said that he did not share his glory with anyone. He's only one. That is so clear in Scripture. Some of these are confusing because you have to stay spiritually minded. You have to try to stay focused, spiritually minded. And you have to stay focused in the truth because carnal mindedness will trick you. Carnal mindedness, thinking in a fleshly manner, will trick you and fool you and deceive you. Many people 
believe in the Trinity because they are not spiritually minded. They are fleshly minded, and they cannot comprehend how Jesus could be God and yet say these words right here. They cannot comprehend that because they are not spiritually minded people. Amen? We have to be spiritually minded and stay focused on how clear the Bible does say that he is one, not two, not three. It says he's one. We've got to stick with that, not be double-minded. We either believe it or don't believe it. You have to choose and stick with it. Amen? What verse are we in, Michael? Yeah, I... Yes. Okay. So now, we'll read verse 41. I'm not sure whether we already read that, but we'll read 41. You're doing the works of your father. And they said to him, we were not born in fornication. We had one father, Theos. And Jesus said to them, if Theos were your father, you would love me. But I proceeded forth and have come from Theos, for I have not come, come, even come on my own initiative, but he that sent me. Then, verse 43, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word, because they were not spiritually minded. 44, you are of, you are of, your spiritual father. See, in the Greek, it didn't have the word your. So I had to add the word your in footnote. You're of your father or your spiritual father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. So some people will say, actually a lot of people, are teaching that the Jews, are literally the children of the devil because of what this says. That's carnal-mindedness, ain't it? That is being fleshly-minded. If you read this and think that Jesus is saying that the Jews are literally, literally, physically, the children and grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren of the devil, all Jews are half demon, all Jews are half demon, then that tells me that you hate me. Because I got Jewish blood. Amen. And it's racism. It's prejudice. I don't care whether that word is true or not. It's prejudice. I use that word on purpose today because so many people out there would tell me that's not a true word. And I've heard it all my life. How can you tell me I'm not speaking a word? I'm speaking a word, Anna. I don't care if it's slain or not. I am a hillbilly redneck, so I might as well speak my language. Amen? And not hide it. Amen? But it is hatred, racism, and prejudice to think that he is saying that they are literally children of the devil. 
all Jews. Now, some people say, well, not all Jews, but just all the ones that live in Israel. <laughs> That's what they actually say. What people actually say. It's all over Facebook like that. All over the Internet like that. People are teaching that. And people are actually following and believing that doctrine in those demonic teachers. Lots of people. And that's how wicked people are. And how foolish and silly and ridiculous people are. This is talking spiritually. To say that they are children of the devil just means that they are followers of the devil, that they are acting like the devil, that they are following the devil, that the devil is their master, that the devil is their God. That is what it's saying. Amen. It says, you are of your spiritual father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him, the devil. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own. For he is a liar and the father of them, the father of lies. Amen? So who is the father of Easter? The devil. Who is the father of Christmas? The devil. Who is the father of Halloween? The devil. It's not God. Amen? Who is the father of April Fool's Day? The day that people rejoice in lies and deceiving people. The devil is the father of April Fool's Day. Amen. Hey, I admit I used to enjoy a good April Fool because I was lost and I was deceived and I was ignorant. But now I saw the light. God opened my eyes. God gave me understanding. And especially in this past month, that God will open my eyes even more and more. Amen. He's teaching us, all of us. He's teaching me. He's teaching you that God does not like April Fool's Day. It is a day that glorifies lies. Amen. We couldn't see that until now. We couldn't see that until we was willing for God to teach us, willing to be taught, willing to confess our sins, willing to examine ourselves. And when it was the right time for God to reveal it as well. Amen. Thank Jesus that he also revealed to us the true dates of Purim and Passover and that he did this before this weekend. Amen? Amen. Days and weeks before this weekend. Now, if we were to take Passover yesterday or today, whenever it was going to be, he would not have condemned us to the lake of fire. He would have been happy with us. He would. Because we're doing the best to our knowledge, best of our ability, the best that we knew. But, you were praying, and I was praying. We were praying, Father, that if we're deceived on any doctrine, on anything, show me. Show me the truth. Teach me the truth. Correct us. And because 
that we were praying. He said, yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. I will show you and this entire congregation the truth. Amen. He is desiring for us to, yes, do our best, yes, but also to not be ignorant, to know the truth, to receive revelation. He wants to teach us. Amen. He is the great rabbi. He is the only rabbi there is in all the universe. Only one rabbi. Amen. He is the great teacher. Amen. There's many teachers, but there's only one rabbi. Amen. The rabbi of our souls. Amen. So thank Jesus that he taught us the correct dates and revealed the truth about April Fool's Day and Easter and May Day. He has revealed all this and continues to teach us and reveal things to us more and more before we get into the wilderness. Now we know when to calculate, how to calculate the beginning of the year and the holy days even more than before. Better than before. And this is good, not bad. This is good and positive and edifying and uplifting. Amen. Praise Jesus. But it says here, verse 45, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe He who is of Theos hears the words of Theos. For this reason, you do not hear because you're not of Theos. Amen. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 18. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of Theos is revealed from heaven or manifested from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There are people who are suppressing the truth. That is when people on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere where they are reporting me for my comments and for my posts and for my videos. Whenever I post, comment, or video the truth to the people and they report me and come against that. Or if I or if you put a flyer on a bulletin board and takes it down, somebody else takes it down to me, they're suppressing the truth, ain't it? If you put a flyer out there on a bulletin board or on the side of a coke machine or wherever you put a flyer, 
and somebody takes it down and throws it in the trash can, that person is suppressing the truth. It's a dangerous thing. I'd hate to be that person because God sees who did that and why they did it. Their wickedness and their unbelief and their rebellion, their hatred of the truth. They are suppressing the truth. Verse 19, because that which is known about Theos is evident within them, for Theos is made evident to them. For since the creation of the world has invisible aptitudes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. This means if you can see the sun and the stars and the moon and the earth and babies and butterflies and deer, if you can see the fruits and vegetables, have you ever seen a flower or food growing out of the ground and watched it grow? Have you ever sit and just watch the wind blow across the trees? How can you not believe in God? Amen? The, the evidence that God is real is in a garden. Amen. The evidence that God is real is in the birds and in the sky and even in the rainbow, right? Amen. The people that live their entire lives, we've all been lost and deceived, but people that live their entire lives without seeing the reality that this is proof, that even the creation itself is proof that there is a creator. It didn't just pop out of nowhere. An explosion never forms organized creation. You take a bomb and blow something up. How does that form into a creation? Explosions destroy things, tear things apart, not bring things together. How can an explosion bring things together? That was thinking. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous, ain't it? Verse 21. For even though they knew Theos, meaning they saw the creation, they saw his handiwork, they saw his pottery, they did not honor him as Theos or give thanks, for they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise and intelligent scientists, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible Theos for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Footnote says, this is what my Cherokee Native American ancestors did, as well as many other tribes in America and Africa and across the world. People who have the statues of Mary, statues of angels, statues of Jesus, of what they think is Jesus, that is. People who have the statues and figurines of frogs and fish and animals and unicorns and all kinds of other animals and birds and stuff. They're worshiping these things, whether they're bowing down to it or not, whether they're praying to it or not. 
they are idolizing these things. This is why they have these things. Amen. If they really, really examine themselves. And people like the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Muslims and the Catholics who are worshiping statues and the Native Americans that are worshiping birds and wolves. Amen. They have traded the glory for God for things like this. Verse 24, therefore, Theos gave them over in their lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. They exchanged the truth of Theos for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Here is a correction that we need to make. The word creature there, I was wondering last night, does that mean beast? Does it mean person? Or should it be translated as creation? I gave it a more closer look in the Greek, and it should actually be translated as creation. Creation. So they serve the creation. That would include the sun, the moon, the stars, as well as animals and people and statues. Anything that was created, the creation. They worship the, the sun tomorrow morning. Ain't that right? And they don't know it, but they're also worshiping the devil. They're also worshiping the moon. They're doing all these things. They're worshiping the dead as well by going in that cemetery. And they're, they're inviting demons into them when they walk in that cemetery. And they're inviting, inviting demons into them when they worship that sun, when they raise their hands for that sun. They are worshiping the devil, which invites demons into them and into their lives. This is the truth. They don't have to know that they're doing that, but they're doing it. Amen? But they don't love the truth, or else they wouldn't be out there doing that. Amen? They have traded the truth for a lie. And a lot of these people have heard the truth. Seriously. A lot of these people have heard the truth about Christmas and Easter. They might have heard it from the Jehovah Witnesses. They might have heard it from Seven Day Adventists. They might have heard it from me or somebody else or another website or another YouTube video. But they've heard it. A lot of these people. A lot. A lot of these people going to the Baptist church and Pentecostal and Catholic church, a lot of them have heard that Easter and Christmas are pagan. Amen? But they chose to believe a lie even after they heard the truth. They chose to not care what the truth is. That's just the truth. They just chose to not care. They have chose to turn a blind eye to the truth and not believe the truth. They have made that decision. And they have chosen to worship the creation, the, the sun. And to worship the creation when they worship fallen angels, when they worship demons, when they worship Assad, when they worship Queen Easter which is a demon, also known as Satan or Assad, or maybe another demon. It don't matter. 
It's their worship of demons. And they've chosen to do that. It is a choice. Amen. It don't matter that they were led in that deception. It doesn't matter that they're deceived or ignorant. They made a decision at some point of their life to do it. They make a decision that morning to get out of bed and to go to that location. It's a decision that they have made. Amen. They could read the Bible, study it, question it, question their belief, question their pastor, question their denomination. But they have chosen to not question it. And the very moment that they hear the truth, they choose to close their ears. The very moment that they hear the truth, they choose to reject it. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason. Hold your bookmark there. Hold your bookmark there. And turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Verse 11. For this reason. Theos, the Alpha and Omega. You see that? 2 Thessalonians 2.11. For this reason, Theos, the Alpha and Omega, will send upon them a strong deception so that they will believe a lie. And over here, turn back to Romans 1.26. For this reason, Theos, the Alpha and Omega, gave them over to degrading passions for the women exchange the natural function for which is unnatural. Same, same thing. The Bible is clear. The people chose homosexuality. They chose Easter, Christmas, the Trinity, any deception, any lie you're talking about. They chose it, and God said this, okay, you got free will. You made your decision. You decided who you would worship. You decided what you wanted to do. You can have it. You want that man? You can have him. You want that woman? You can have her. You want that demon? You can have it. You made your decision. Now, deal with it. Amen? That's what God is saying with the strong delusion. You have prayed for the pre-trib rapture to come. Here it is. Of the fake coming. You prayed for it. I'll let you have it. Amen. It's sad that the people have prayed for a lie. But God is going to answer them. Even a sinner, he's going to answer the sinner's prayer and give them what they have asked for. They have prayed for the fulfillment of a lie, and they're going to get the fulfillment of a lie. Amen? They're going to get a fulfillment of a lie, and they have worshipped Easter, which is totally Assyrian. So God is going to say, you can have your Easter. You can have your Christmas. 
You made your bed, now lay in it, as the saying goes. The people deserve the judgment that's coming to this world. The people deserve world war. They deserve the nuclear bombs that's going to fall out of the sky. That's just the truth. Just the truth. I would love to see everybody repent, to see everybody serve the Lord, to see everybody embrace the truth, get saved, be baptized. I would love to see thousands of people just lined up to be baptized. That's not going to happen, is it? Until, until the invasion comes. But it's going to happen. People are going to line up to be baptized one of these days. Be encouraged. Despite all the negativism coming out of my mouth, despite all this spirit of judgmentalness and condemning, be encouraged because the truth will be preached unto all nations. And people are going to repent. It's going to happen. It's not a maybe. The Bible says there's going to be a great multitude that could not be counted They are washed in the blood of the Lamb. That means they're going to get saved. Millions of people are going to get baptized during the Great Tribulation. You don't have to be puzzled or perplexed about who is going to baptize them. God will take care of it. God is going to raise up more true preachers and true pastors. It's going to happen. It may look right now impossible, but nothing is impossible with God, the Bible says. Once the punishment happens, the people are going to wake up and ask themselves, they're going to ask themselves, why did I just get spanked? Why did I just lose my husband, my wife, my family, my house, my job, my food, my electric, my internet, my nation, my country, my community? Why did I just lose everything? they're going to have to start asking themselves these tough questions of why their preachers did not see it coming. Why did their preachers not see it coming? Why did they not see the sword coming? Why did their preachers not declare the date and the event and the war and the invasion or anything or the strong delusion or anything? Why did their preachers not know any of this was going to happen? They're going to have to ask those tough questions. And I hope they ask those pastors straight to their face. Amen. Amen. But they will ask those questions, and they will start reading the Bible for the first time in their life. Amen. And if they've already read it a million times, they're going to read it different this time. Instead of reading into it what they've been taught to read into it for the first time in their life, they're going to be like, what does this really mean? What does this verse really mean? And turn to another verse and another verse and start studying the Bible for the first time. 
and examining themselves and examining the Bible and asking the questions and seeking the truth for the first time in their lives is going to happen. Going to happen. People are going to get saved. Your family is going to get saved. Amen? It's going to happen. Whether it's this month or next month or this year or next year or in this resurrection or the next resurrection, you know what? It don't really matter as long as it happens and it's going to happen. Amen? How can it not? How can it not? When you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all these things, how can you not get on your knees and say, Lord, what's wrong with me? Amen? Going to happen. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That what this scripture here says, people have chosen a lie. They did not believe the truth, and God turned them over to their false worship, their idolatry, their sins, whatever that they did, whatever they chose, God turned them over to it, and he's going to turn them over to Assad as well because they've chosen Assad. They have. Let's go to one more place. Let's go to 1 John 2. You know, sooner or later, people are going to get sick and tired of worshiping the creation rather than the creator. They're going to see all these Democrats, all these leftists, the people that follow President Moon in Korea, the people that follow Obama and the Clintons in America, all these leftist, liberal Democrats, they're going to learn the hard way that Islam is demonic. They're going to learn that. They're going to. It's not no maybes. It's not a maybe. They will learn. They're going to learn that Islam is evil. They're going to learn that communism is evil, that socialism is evil, that abortion is evil. They're going to learn this. They're going to learn that there is a God. Amen? And that there is a God that sees them and knows their thoughts and their actions and what they have done and what they have done to suppress the truth. They, they're going to learn that there is a true God who saw them tear down the Ten Commandments. He saw them protest the Ten Commandments. They saw them writing petitions and signing petitions and protesting religious liberty. God has saw it. And they're going to learn that God saw it. Amen? The great tribulation will capture these people in more than one way. And if they don't learn in the great tribulation, they will learn in God's wrath. And if they don't learn in God's wrath, maybe in the millennium, if God allows them to live that long. And if they don't live in any of these things, I mean don't learn in any of these things, then they've got one last chance in that second resurrection. One last chance. Because God did create these people. 
God did choose to create these people. And he does love them despite the fact that they have spit in his face and slapped him and pierced him. He still loves them and will still save them if they're willing to confess their fault in this, confess that they chose a lie, confess their rebellion and their stubbornness and their foolishness. If they confess this and repent of it and turn around and become a new creation in Christ Jesus, God will save them. He's more than willing to. His arm is stretched out all day long to stiff neck and rebellious people, but his arm is still stretched out all day long, generation after generation to this very day and forevermore until the white throne judgment. Only then will the door be closed. You can no longer get on the ark of Jesus Christ. He is the door of the ark. He is the door, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. No man cometh to the Father but through him. He is the door and the way, and there's no other door and no other way. But once we get to the white throne judgment, that door is shut, and you cannot accept Jesus Christ at the judgment. It's too late. It's too late at the judgment. Amen. Once the trial starts, it's over. Amen. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, 1 John 2, verse 3, for this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That includes parents. You say, where is it commanded to keep parents? But have you read Esther? Is that Holy Scripture? Is that Bible? then it don't matter whether it was Jesus commanded it or whether it was his servants that commanded it. Amen? Esther and Mordecai were the servants of Jesus. And if Esther and Mordecai commanded that the people keep perm, then guess what? It's a commandment of the Lord because he works through his servants. He works through his pastors, his apostles, his people, and they were the leaders of Israel, the leaders of his people of that day and of that time. And they said, let it be kept throughout all the generations. Amen. We keep his commandment this day by observing parents. We are keep his commandments with communion and foot washing and Passover next month, even if it's in the middle of Flynn we'll still take time out for the Lord to obey him. Amen. Verse 4, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Amen. They believe a lie. And the truth is not in him if they do not keep his commandments. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of Theos has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he abides, dwells in him, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Can you show me where Jesus kept Easter? 
No. Can you show me where Jesus kept Halloween? No. Can you show me where Jesus kept Christmas or Halloween or celebrated his own birthday? No. You cannot show me where Jesus celebrated his own birthday. You cannot show me where the disciples of Jesus were worshiping the birthday of Jesus. Can you show me any words in any book of the Bible, even the Apotheca, where they were worshiping the birth of Jesus when Jesus was alive for 30-some years? And I suspect maybe in 40-some, maybe. And what about after he died, after he rose again, after he walked on earth for those 40 days? What about during those 40 days he walked on earth after the resurrection? Or what about uh, after he went back to heaven? What about the Apostle Paul and all the years and years and years that he preached? What about John in the book of Revelation? What about him? in the book of John, and in 1 John, and 2 John, and 3 John, in the book of Revelation. Oh, what about Peter? Can you show me where any of these people worshipped the birthday of Jesus, or even their own birthday, or even their parents' birthday, or their brothers, or their sisters, or anybody's birthday? No? No. Amen? Amen. Amen. And Christmas and Easter actually existed in their lifetime. We know that for a fact. Do your own research. You don't have to believe me. Do your own research. Christmas and Easter was already celebrated in the lifetime of Jesus before the birth of Jesus, during the lifetime of Jesus as well, and in the lifetime of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and Peter, and John, Christmas and Easter was celebrated. But they did. Jesus didn't celebrate none of those days. None of the disciples did. None of the apostles did. And it says right here in verse 6 that the one who abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he, Christ Jesus. If you keep Christmas and Easter, or even April Fool's Day, that's not walking the way Jesus was. Amen? On this weekend, the true followers of Jesus are keeping perm, and the liars are keeping April Fool's days, and the liars and the ignorant and the deceived and the lost are keeping Queen Easter Day. And Jesus has turned them over to their own choice, their own gods, their own demons. They have chosen. And God has said, let them have it. It's their choice. The Bible teaches free will. Free will means that you can choose who to serve, God or the devil. It's your choice. God is not forcing us. He's telling us what to do because he's a good parent. A good parent should teach us what to do. Amen. There's nothing wrong with God commanding the truth. That's not wrong or harsh or bad. It's being a good parent to command to do right. What parent doesn't command their son or their daughter 
do right. My parent doesn't say that. Nothing wrong with that. But it's still, he still gives us a choice. And even two resurrections, how, how much more mercy? How much more mercy could we even ask for? Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus for the truth. Praise Jesus. He has chosen us to teach us, to save us, to deliver us, to help us understand, to help us to have the strength to walk this difficult journey against all the armies of darkness that come against us, all the mocking, all the unbelievers, all the trials and tribulation. Jesus gives us strength to continue this walk for life. Amen? We see in the news that thousands of Palestinians, Muslims, gathered on the borders of Israel, on Gaza, and now even Lebanon, on both sides of Israel. But the Palestinians are crossing those borders crossing the fences with knives in their hands and bombs strapped to them and everything. These are not people of peace. These people don't want peace. They are liars when they say they want peace. They don't want peace. They want death and destruction. Amen? They want death and destruction. They want death and destruction of all the Jews and of the entire nation of Israel and America and Australia and South Korea, they want the death of every follower of Jesus, and that's the truth of what the Muslims want. Speaking the truth, whether whether strong delusion happens tomorrow or not doesn't really matter. Only thing that really matters is get ready and stay ready. And always abide in Christ Jesus. And continue to get ready and learn and get serious about learning survival skills. And get serious about buying supplies. I encourage you that if you have any money to do so, make sure that first thing tomorrow morning, if you've not done it yet, first thing Sunday morning, Make sure your car tank is full of gas. Because once this happens, if your gas is two thirty-five right now, it's going to be five dollars, six dollars, seven dollars very soon. And buy supplies because if you think that the prices are going to stay the same after this, you're wrong. Or if you think it's going to be easy to find supplies, you're wrong. God gave us 30 more days to get ready, and some people just sit on their asses. I'm going to say it the way it is. And didn't buy another thing or just one or two things. They just blew the whole 30 days as far as preparing things. But God does have mercy. That's the way he is. That's what he is. He is mercy. And he loves every one of us. But we've got to start learning our lessons 
and being proactive in preparing and learning survival skills. We ain't got time to play a game of checkers. We ain't got time to play video games. We ain't got time to go watch a movie at the theater. We ain't got time for this. Right now, every day, every second, needs to be buying supplies and buying supplies for ourselves, buying supplies for other people, dehydrating food, packing food, buying food of whatever we can for our finances. I know that not everybody can do the same amount. But whatever you can do, you need to be doing all of it. Amen? There's no, this ain't time for money to be sitting in the bank unused. This is time to buy everything you can lay your hands on. This is serious. This is life and death. It is your life and death. It is my life and death. It is his life and death. It is her life and death. There is no time for a penny to be in the bank. This is time to buy supplies. And this is time to get serious about distributing flyers and get serious about watching videos about what to do or asking somebody what to do or something about preparing mentally and emotionally and with knowledge and skill for the future. This is no time for games or laziness or complacency. This is a serious time, the most serious time in all of human history. Nothing could be more serious than the last 30 days that, just, that we just let escape from us. Too late now. Maybe. Let's see. But if we still have tomorrow, we're about to use tomorrow. And if we have another day, we're about to use it. And if we have another day, we're about to use it. Amen. If we have six months, you're about to use every six months because there's no way we can can, uh, get enough supplies. There's no way we can get enough toilet paper. There's no way we can get enough food. There's no way we can get enough anything. So if we have six months, you need to spend every day of the next six months staying busy and not being lazy and not being irresponsible, but buying food for yourself and other people. And I'll tell you this, if somebody knocks on your door after the strong delusion, you better give them the time of day. You better tell that person that they need to repent, that they need to uh, uh, get away from Christmas and Easter and Sunday churches You need to tell them what to do instead of saying get lost. If they come to you asking questions, if they come to you and say, hey, you was right about a strong delusion, don't cast these people away. Help them. They've come to you. They've called you. They've emailed you. They showed up at your door. Help them. For God's sake, these are human beings. These are not dogs. Help them. Amen. Try to teach them. Lord, the 30 days is not gone. I just travel through time. But we did waste the first 30 days. And God says, I give you another 30 days. God could have swore that it was the day of Flynn and we just wasted it. 
I hope that's not true. I hope this is not a nightmare. I hope I have just not woken up and we just wasted the last 30 days that we had. Amen. And AJ, I'm sorry that I've not been able to send you some money because, AJ, I know you've not been, or I don't think you've been working, and I know you're in very heavily in debt. And I feel like, and I've always felt like, that I should have been sending you money, but I couldn't, and you know that, and I know that you don't blame me, and I know you don't hold nothing against me, but I'm just venting and sharing with you that I wanted to send you money, and I always felt like I was supposed to send you money, but I couldn't and didn't have it to send. But even though it was impossible for me to do so, I still apologize. Even though it was impossible for me to send it to you, I still apologize that I did not send you money, AJ, because I know it's my responsibility to do so if I could. And because I want to do more, because I want to send you money, because I want to help you, because I want to do what a ministry is supposed to do, even if I can't do it. It is my heart, my desire, my duty, and my responsibility, and I cut. So I'm still sorry, AJ, that we did not see you. And I'm sorry for a lot of other things. Amen. And I thank everybody for their patience that they've had with me and all my temper tantrums and, and everything else. Thank you for your patience with me and your love and your prayers and your support and everything that everybody's done. And everybody's done something. Yes, they have. Everybody that is a true part of this congregation, every one of you have done things, multiple things, for this work, this ministry, and for me. And any time you've done it for God, you've done it for me. And any time you've done it for me, you've done it for God. We're inseparable. I'm not saying I'm God, but you know what I'm saying. I hope you know what I'm saying. That me and God, we walk together, think together, feel together. And when you do it for one, you do it for the other. Even Jesus said that. And I hope that once we get into the last 30 days, that we be people of mercy, that we be people of grace, and that we be people that would share. Even if we don't have to share, that we would be people that would share. Let me be people 
of a heart of love and help and compassion. That we fulfill pure religion. And those are beyond commandments. And even if there were no commandments, even if there was no law, that we would love people intensely and give our last shirt off our back, socks and shoes to the person without socks and shoes. That we would be that type of person. So that's what God is looking for. Amen. He said to the man to ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life or kingdom, whatever he said, Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, I've done all this from my childhood. What else am I lacking? What else must I do? Jesus said, sell everything. Everything. Sell everything. That's what you must do to enter the kingdom. That's what Jesus said. That's not me. That's what Jesus said more than once to people. And he could not do it. He could not let go of his material gods, of his material possessions that meant so much to him. His heart was tied to the things that he, he owned, his cars, houses, land, jobs, whatever it may be. But we know that Jesus said that those that love their parents their children, their brother, their sister, houses or lands, more than him, they are not worthy of him. If we want to enter heaven at the first resurrection, we must be naked. We must be poor. And we must be barren of all worldly possessions. We must not own anything of our own. I'm talking about anything. Nothing. Own nothing. And everything belonged to the Lord. The camp of the Lord, the kingdom of the Lord, everything must be surrendered. Your pride, your stubbornness, your rebellion, your childlessness, your immaturity, your irresponsibility, your cuss words, Timmy, Pastor Tim, your cuss words must be thrown in the trash and surrender all to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, Father, for using me, for speaking through me, for humbling me, for teaching your people, for edifying your church, for having your way, for sending me through time, for revealing the holy days, for revealing your calendar, for warning your people, for chastising us, for stepping on our toes, for waking us up, for giving us clarity. Thank you, Heavenly Father, 
for what you have done this day. Thank you for the chastisement and the correction. Thank you for the wake-up call. Thank you for the reality. Thank you for every breath and every day and every opportunity that we have. Help us, Father, to surrender what we have, to give everything away to the poor, the needy, the hungry, the naked, the prisoner, the jobless, homeless person, the person without a job, the person in need. Let us put other people before ourselves. Help us, Father, to put others before ourselves. Help us, Father, to surrender to you and to your will and to your kingdom. Let us no longer love the things of this world. Help us, Father, to give up the things of this world and to put your people, your camp, your people of the wilderness, survival and truth first. Help us, Father, to put evangelism, the Bibles, the flyers, the crosses, the needs of the people first and not last. Help us, Father, to invest everything that we own or used to own, that is. Help us, Father, to use everything that we thought we owned but was yours. Help us, Father, to use everything in our power and our ability, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that all of our energy, our time, our focus, our finances, our ability, our skill, our talents, our gifts, to all be invested in you and your people so that no one may lack, so that people would not say that we could have given and did, so that there would be no excuse against us, that there would be no aggravation against us, so that we would not be guilty of the things that we would be accused of, but that we may be of a clear conscience, that we may have a clear conscience once we get into the wilderness and once we get to the throne, that we would have a clear conscience. Praise your holy name, Heavenly Father. Praise the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, control the time and your will be prevailed. Your will, Father, prevailed in the sun and the moon and the stars, in the calendar, in the clock, and in our lives and in our finances, in our lives, in our families, and in the resurrection. And who gets saved today, who gets saved tomorrow, who gets saved this year, who gets saved next year, who gets saved in this life, who gets saved in the next life, it is yours, Heavenly Father. It is yours. You are in control. Help us, Father, to walk in your steps, to walk in the center of your will. Please fill us up with your spirit so that you can walk in us. Father, please walk through us. They speak through us, see through us, listen through us. Let us be your body upon this earth 
move toward us and let us be busy about our Father's business as you were even when you was 12 years old. You was about your Father's business. So let us too be about the Father's business in your name to your glory. In Jesus' holy name. So, amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. So, tomorrow's prayer as well. We're not going to have any services tomorrow. Keeping our eyes on the news. And uh, staying tuned to what's going on. And taking it day by day. Thank you for listening today. And a special shout out to Brother Nicholas in Australia. We love you. We're all praying for you. Hang in there and just do the best you can, brother. Love all of you very much. Talk to you again soon. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.